Welcome to Fashion Futurist Podcast. It's your host, Camila Sanders, and this season we are discussing Africa. We're connecting with industry experts and individuals on the front lines to gain viable resources for your fashion journey. Together, we're working to take back fashion, shift power, shift economics, shift paradigms, and create a new sustainable ethical fashion system. Take a listen and let's accelerate fashion forward. So today we have Frederica Brooksworth on the line, and she is a fashion educator, Eddie scholar, researcher, strategist, editor, and author. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to finally be here with you. I know. I'm so happy to get you on the show finally. It's it's um I know it's going to be a great conversation. If you could please enlighten us and tell us like I know you do a lot of different things <laughs> and you're involved in a, lot, in a lot of different things. I follow all the great things that you're doing. Tell us a bit just a little bit about yourself as far as like what you do. Sure. Um so I would say just to sort of frame things together, I always kind of like to explain, you know, the reason as to why I do so many different things. So I would say like my mission is I create impactful solutions to future proof the global fashion industry and its people through education, research and strategy. So I would say that's my mission as to why I do what I do. So with that being said, I am the founder and executive director at CF. So CF stands for the Council for International African Fashion Education. I'm also the regional editor for Africa at Bloomsbury Fashion Business Cases and the director for Industry Africa Connect. So yes, um, do a bunch of different things, but they all center around the area of education and research. You said something powerful, like from the start, right? Is that I think... You find a lot of people that do so much and everyone's like, well, how do you do so much? Well, yeah. it all centers around that one foundation and why you do it, right? Yeah. What you want to accomplish. So I love it that you kind of, you wrap that up for us. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I would love to know how did you get involved in the fashion industry and kind of like... What is your background? Yeah, so I would say I've kind of always had an interest. I know everyone always says this, so it might be a bit cliche, but I would say my interest was a bit different. So I had an interest in fashion, but I would say it was actually a secondary interest because um, when my parents um, migrated to the UK when they came to London, they both actually worked at the Burberry factory in London making stuff so it was really interesting to see firsthand like how luxury items were being made um you know in the UK especially Burberry so Burberry is actually one of my favorite um brands because growing up you know I would get like custom coats made I actually still have kept them so I'm waiting for like my eldest daughter to grow into it I think this winter she'll be able to start wearing my coats and this is like over 25 years old to be honest with you so um I would say I've always kind of had an interest because sort of like seeing my parents working there and then also my mum again like she's had like a sewing machine a Toyota sewing machine for 
it's older than me so that's over 30 years old and she would make stuff which I thought was really interesting so it's kind of always been there but then I actually initially wanted to be a celebrity hairstylist that was actually my um, passion is that I wanted to be a celebrity hairstylist and I also wanted to have um, just like salons all around the world um, that not just focus on just Afro hair, but it was a salon that would welcome just people from all different races to be able to come and experience, you know, just have a nice experience in a salon because I actually used to do hair. So in school, I did textiles and I knew early on I didn't want to do fashion design. So I think a lot of people are like, oh, you know, I grew up designing dresses and so forth. I, I did not like design at all. I didn't really enjoy things like sewing and so forth. But what I did enjoy doing was I would say organizing things. So I really enjoyed saying to, you know, my friends when we would be in textiles classes, you know, oh, I think you should do it like this. This would be a great way for you to put it together. How about you use this fabric and then why not make your collection look like this? So I'd always help in and around that area. I really enjoyed reading books and just the theory aspect, but I just didn't like designing. So even for my textiles exam, we had to do a dress I actually asked my teacher if he could sew it for me that's how bad like I just didn't want to do it and he did it for me thankfully and then I went into studying hair at college so I know like in the states college is university level but for us it's when you're like in senior high school so I did um hairdressing and I studied that and I also worked in salons and even throughout school high school I also did hair for money so that's how I actually made my money um as well and then I still dabbled into like fashion especially you know in the UK the hair like the beauty industry and the fashion industry are linked as well like things like fashion shows and so forth so I still kept up to date on things to do with the fashion industry and then it got to one point where I was like you know what I really want to pivot and I really enjoy doing hair I feel like I've learned everything I've learned in terms of like salon management, running the business and so forth. But something about fashion was calling me. But I was like, I don't want to do design. So I just did some research and I was like, what can I study that isn't fashion design? I don't want to do fashion photography. I mean, at that stage, there there weren't any other courses. And then luckily I was able to stumble upon a course that was fashion marketing and promotion. So this was before university. So this was at um college um stage in the UK so I was very fortunate to have found this college where I was studying um fashion marketing and promotion and it just opened my eyes to a whole different industry from ethical fashion to um gosh I mean photography to illustration to marketing to PR to journalism you name it there was so much that was happening And I was like, oh, okay, like, I really enjoyed this. And I realized it was marketing and PR. That was the area that I really enjoyed, um, like studying the most. So I did some internships while still at college. I was probably about like 16, 16, 17. And around this time, I was doing internships. And then there was opportunity to apply for university. But then I didn't go to university that year because I wanted to gain more experience because I really enjoyed the internships. And I also wanted to be sure on um, the type of course that I wanted to do as well. So I stayed for another year, um, boosted up my portfolio, did internships, and then I applied to do 
the fashion marketing and promotion course at the London College of Fashion. And I was accepted. And I was so excited about being accepted because I mean, like, being a black, you know, young woman at that time, young lady at that time, it was it was very difficult to get into the London College of Fashion. And I got in, so I was really excited. And I felt like, you know what, I could definitely build my career through, you know, this institution. But then it got to my second year of university and I was like, oh, I don't want to do marketing and I don't want to do um, PR. But what I do enjoy doing is actually helping people and showing people what to do because um, I would often help my friends who worked in design classes. And this is what I was actually doing at college. So whenever they would have assignments to do with any like commerce or business side of fashion, I would actually help them with their assignments. And I was doing that at university as well. And sometimes I'd host like small study groups where I'd be like, okay, so for your assignment, this is what needs to be done. So what you need to do here are some books that you need to read. And this is what the marketing mix is and so forth. So I then kind of found myself really enjoying the education aspect. But then the question was, how do I get into fashion education? How do I teach fashion if internships don't exist? Or if there are no books out there? Or if people don't necessarily look like me in front of the classrooms? But then I was fortunate to have had a black course leader um, at the time. And I had some really, really nice like mentors who were staff members as well. So I think that's when I knew that, you know, this is the industry that I really want to be in. So I know it's been a bit long winded, but I hope that gives, you know, you context to see where I ended up and how I came into fashion education. Because people often ask me, but how did you become a lecturer? Like, where did the interest of teaching come into it? And for me, it was just through a case of, I didn't want to be the one doing it. I wanted to be the one showing people how to do it and actually empowering people how to do it as well. Because I also, um, I've been doing consulting for a while, but the way I consult is actually through teaching and knowledge sharing, as well as opposed to doing all the work for my clients. So yeah. It's good to know that journey. Um, what's interesting is that I used to do hair in college too. <laughs> and I used to want to, I wanted to be a hairstylist, but then that's like a good path or example, because when you actually do something, then you get to say, okay, do I really like this or do I not? And then you can kind of pivot. And I think a lot of times people, they think about doing something, but they don't actually do it. Or they maybe like learn about it and then they do it, but they've spent so much time (laughs) in the education part versus the actual doing it. So your journey is like really interesting because you took the time to do something and then you said, okay, I like this, but I don't like this aspect of it. And then you kind of pivoted. So I'm curious, how does that connect to founding the Council for International African Fashion Education? Is that something that you did right afterwards or did you kind of do some consulting work and then you did that? Oh, yeah. No, it it took me a while, actually. It wasn't something that actually was in my mind. Um, So I've been lecturing, I would say, working in the education space for about 10 years now. And for me, I've always had an interest in the African fashion industry because I'm Ghanaian. So my parents were both... um, from Ghana. Um, I was born in the UK, but I've always pretty much just gone to Ghana since I was a kid every year. Um, had have a huge interest in Ghana. I mean, 
a lot of my friends are from Ghana, as you can imagine. Um, you know, a lot of our parents, you know, came to the UK in and around the same time. I have so many friends who are not just Ghanaian, but like Nigerian, Sierra Leonean, um, Zimbabwean and so forth. And my husband's also Ghanaian as well. So I've always been really connected to um, my background. And what was interesting for me is working in fashion, in the British fashion industry, I was always like, well, you know, I would love to see more when it comes to the African fashion industry, but specifically when it comes to education. So I remember being at university and we had the option to do like an internship or a study abroad um, semester. And I wanted to go and do that in Ghana, but it was very difficult to find information where I could go to Ghana to actually study at an institution because there were no institutions that had, I would say, a credible um, program that my university would have approved, essentially, right? Or even for my parents to actually approve and say, okay, yeah, you can go and study um, fashion in Ghana because it wouldn't be an issue. Family members are there and so forth, right? But there was no, there was hard, there was no information. Like even websites, websites were not working. People had like Facebook pages, and that's not really reliable to go off, right? You know, I couldn't see faculty. Even like the courses were very much pattern cutting, um, design, and it was like, but mm, I want to do more because I'm more on the business side. So for me, it was like, well, you know, more could be done in this area when it comes to the education aspect. And, you know, the thought was in my mind for a while. I'd been having conversations with people for maybe about like, I'd maybe say like six years now in regards to the state of like fashion education on the continent. And, you know, I've been having these conversations. There are some institutions that are doing exceptionally well um, since then on the continent at the moment. Um, and then I think about three years ago when I started working on my doctorate um, proposal, I was looking at because my one of my research areas is really all about, you know, how do we revamp the fashion curriculum? Right. And this isn't just looking at Africa, but I also look at it even from the viewpoint of um, the UK, because even for my master's degree, I studied fashion entrepreneurship and innovation at the London College of Fashion. And I actually looked at revamping the curriculum in the UK for the British fashion industry. But then for my doctorate, I was like, I was like, well, I could look at it from a UK perspective, but I was like, you know what would be really more impactful. And I was so much more, I would say, interested in Africa because, you know, one of my goals has always been to establish an institution on the continent in the future. But I was like, even before doing that, I feel like there's a lot more that can be done in regards to research. I mean, developing a school would be great. I have the connections, I have the resources, the knowledge and so forth. But I want to be able to foster a continent-wide, I would say, ecosystem and structure so that if I get to a point where I want to, you know, go back to the plan of developing an institution, I have the connections and I'm able to say, well, I would love to collaborate with another institution and so forth. I mean, when you think about being in college or university, you think about, oh, but, you know, you're able to work with this um, institution, you have these cross-collaboration opportunities, you can do a study abroad. That, right, it, it didn't exist, right, before I kind of like launched CF. So I was like, you know what, let me focus my doctorate research on innovating the African fashion education system and the curriculum. Um, so that's sort of what led me, so even before CF, 
I was it started actually with my research proposal and then through I would say the first year of my research um of the doctorate program I then realized that you know what something needs to be created and it started off initially like oh should it be a network and then the idea just developed into what we have today as CF so for anyone wondering what CF is so we are essentially a research and education hub that's dedicated to advancing the development of fashion education and research in Africa and the diaspora as well and we're also focused on um, decolonizing the curriculum in um, institutions in North America and Europe as well so working with institutions to be able to do that so we do this through things like reports so we publish reports um pretty much like I would say every few months or quarterly. Um, we run training programs as well for not just students, but also professionals and for academics as well. We, you know, and our training programs on a number of different things. We have like language classes. I mean, we recently just wrapped up our Italian um, language class. We have done French and also Portuguese, and we're looking to do things like Spanish, Dutch, German, Yoruba, Swahili and so forth as well um so yeah I mean you know it's it's been a huge I would say blessing it's really lovely to see the impact and just the change of not just the education system but also the African fashion industry um as a whole so yeah that's what I would like to ask you about is that now that you've opened CF and even doing the research what has been like some of those eye-opening moments or just like those critical things that stood out for you or maybe those moments of impact that you've seen or transformation that you've seen? Yeah, I mean, I would say like so many different things, to be honest. Um, Where do I begin? So I think first and foremost is the skills, like the skills that we've been able to give people when people are sending testimonials or saying like, you know, you've been able to really help me um, just gain skills that I would have never had an opportunity to do so, or I've really struggled to find, you know, the chance to be able to learn how to do X, Y, Z. And, you know, it's, it's just really great to see this, like people actually developing new skills. Um, Again, seeing institutions outside of Africa, so institutions in Europe and then also in North America, reach out to say like, hey, we really want to work with you and we also really want to work with institutions on the continent. Can you facilitate um, this relationship? And can we work on doing X, Y, Z? I'm like, this is it. This is what we mean by decolonizing the curriculum. Um, Again, like people learning new languages, I mean, on the continent, Frank, like French is widely spoken. There are so many Francophone countries, right? And again, for a lot of people, they've not been able to communicate with um, people from French-speaking countries, or they struggled. But now people are able to just have basic understanding and like speak basic, um, you know, frame basic sentences and words and so forth and greetings, which has been great. Um, we've had like two... Um, two sessions of like coding classes that we've done which has been amazing so like teaching people tech skills as well um we've like I would say probably one of the most impactful things is having the partnership with Bloomsbury and um essentially creating the new division for the African 
fashion business case studies because now people have the opportunity to actually get published which is something that and that also contributes to decolonizing the curriculum and also expanding people's mindsets to knowing more about brands on the continent but also in the diaspora I mean we actually have had so many um, people from South America and Afro-Brazilians writing and actually joining our network and actually writing cases which will be published very soon so again it's not just people who are based in like Rwanda or in um, Ghana or Nigeria or South Africa but you've got people who are like um, black British or even um, African-American for instance you have Afro-Brazilians we have Afro-Italians who are all involved so we're also connecting the diaspora as well so yeah this is um, it's really really exciting to see the impact I think that's been one of our biggest things to date as well yeah and it's interesting because countries in Africa have been so influential to fashion and we never really see or make that connection because it's just not talked about yeah And so it's really interesting that you're kind of bringing together that story to dig a little deeper. Like, why is this so important? And especially in Africa, why, why is this so important? It's important because I think for so long, I mean, people still see the African fashion education scene as being in like its infancy stage. And the truth is, I mean, the industry's always been here, and yes, it's really, it's really developing. But education is so powerful, and it's not just educate. It's not just like academic education, which is what I always like stress to people. It's skills and knowledge. That is the most important thing. This helps to contribute. It closes because if we actually equip people with the necessary resources, we close the knowledge and skills gap. Right. Not only do we close the knowledge and skills gap, but what do, what what else we also do is help with employability opportunities, which is such a huge thing. That then also leads to economic growth as well. So then people are able to actually build more financial, sustainable businesses, which then they can live off. Then it creates more job opportunities for people. And then we have a viable industry. But the truth is, this can only happen if people are equipped with the necessary knowledge to be able to do that but then people then also need to be taught on how to actually develop these resources because I mean I've spoken to people in schools on the continent and they've said that you know they often have to purchase books which are like European or American editions but then they can only use two chapters out of a 15 chapter book because everything else is irrelevant to their work now can you imagine that so there is just a lot more work to do and there's it's just really important because we need relevant information to actually create sustainable change in this industry. What else needs to be done, do you feel, in Africa or outside to kind of move fashion forward? Because I know, you know, education is definitely important, like you said, Um, because it closed the gap, because it affects economics and and the industry, what else or what other industries or other countries or, you know, what else do people need to do or organizations need to do to kind of like help to facilitate this growth that's happening in Africa? I think it's definitely just collaboration. I think we need to start having um, start collaborating with other parts of the industry because when we talk about the fashion industry we often say it's a global industry right so that needs to be reflected 
I think things like as press coverage, because when you work in the fashion industry, where we learn everything in the fashion industry is through what? The media, right? We are kept up to date on the fashion industry through the media. So there needs to be media equity. African brands should not be seen as just African brands, just as, yes, we use the title like British brand or um, American brands and so forth, or Scandinavian brand and so forth. We still need to be fair because when you look at um, publications, they are covering um, you know, fashion from Europe, America and Asia and so forth. So I think it's really important that Africa is actually included in these conversations and not when just like there is a launch or when there's like an event or something like that, but just in general covering the market, what's happening in the market and, you know, um, just, yeah, all of those um, types of things, I would say. That's a really good observation, right? Because those partnerships in the media and how the brands are portrayed, right? And who, how, how it's being seen. And so we can, you know, as a whole, definitely do a better job. Um, so part, part of the, you know, initiative of this podcast is really to talk about how can we accelerate fashion to meet the 2030 climate goals? And so kind of what is your take with, you know, what's happening with the climate crisis and how what you're doing is affecting that? Yeah, I mean, and, you know, I've actually been having a lot of these conversations recently and I've been talking about like in order for us to really make fashion like a responsible industry, it's through education, right? Because fashion is often seen, fashion education is often seen as the gateway into the fashion industry. So in order for us to actually be, to say, oh, well, we need to have a sustainable fashion industry and so forth, we need to teach people. We can't just make people assume that, um, you know, people know why we should be sustainable or, you know, like what sustainability is. It needs to be through educating people, regardless of what stage they're at. And this is educating the educators. It is about educating students. And once you're able to equip people with the right resources and knowledge, then we can actually start having those proper conversations to say, here is the action. So no longer just dialogues and um, conversations about why we need to be sustainable. It's like, this is how we're actually getting it done. So those are core things that I would say. I, for me, it's actually teaching people about sustainable practices and how we actually do it. Yeah, that's really good because, you know, it goes back to what you said about collaboration too, right? Because there's so many people that are interested maybe in sustainability, but they don't necessarily even, everyone has a different definition of the word, right? Yeah. And then they're like, okay, well, I heard about this, brand that's sustainable and they're doing certain things. Maybe they're using a different type of leather or mushroom leather or something like that. But it's like, they don't necessarily know how, how do you do that? Like, how do you incorporate that into your brand? And so it is about education, educating people within the industry, but, you know, going back to what you said, educating people outside of, of, you know, what exactly does this mean? And so how can we, how can we collaborate with each other and share this knowledge too, right? Yeah, exactly. This has been uh, really good. Are there any other initiatives that you're working on or any, anything else that you would like to say about the industry that can kind of help us to, to move things forward? 
Yeah, I mean, I'm working on something to do with like fashion leadership, because I think that's one thing that we don't necessarily, like, I don't think that there's ever really been a focus on fashion leadership, to be honest with you. I think it's an area that is not really encouraged. I wouldn't say encouraged, but I would say when it comes to leadership, if you know, you know, and I think it's really kept under wraps, but how do we actually create leaders in the workspace? And we're not just talking about everyone becoming a CEO, but when you're thinking about even just being someone in entry level, you are still responsible for things, but how are we actually equipping people with the right knowledge and tools and skills to just navigate the industry effectively I mean, whether that's being a professional or whether that's being an an entrepreneur, right? So whether you work in a company or whether you are looking to run your own um, company. So how do we facilitate and support people to say, this is, if you're starting up, this is how you build a team. If you are looking to move from entry level to becoming a manager, this is how you go about doing so. Nothing like that. Like, these conversations are not being had. We're not really encouraged. Like in, I don't know how many people can say, well, they've been taught how to negotiate for not just only a pay rise, but even flexible working hours. It's like, I, nobody taught me this. I had to literally go through it the hard way where I ended up in like HR's office, like having to like battle people and so forth for basic things like flexible working hours because I have kids and so forth. So that's something that's really coming soon. So watch this space. I would say probably by the time this goes up, um, you'll see some stuff. But I would say on LinkedIn, I am like I have started a lot of this dialogue. So for anyone that probably wants to keep up to date on everything that I'm doing, I would definitely say follow me on LinkedIn. That's so true. Right. And they don't really teach you that you learn everything. and You kind of go into the workforce and you have to figure that out yourself. So, and I do think that, you know, like you mentioned, like flexible working hours and building a team and just like, um, like you said, being a leader, whether that is in entrepreneurship or it is within an organization, you're shifting. If you can lead and you can stand up and you say, hey, I, I need these flexible working hours because I have kids or, I, you know, I have family you know, whatever that is, then you're kind of starting to shift the workplace. Right. Um, and so that's, that's really, uh, transformational and it's, it's things that we're just not, not taught, like you said. So that's, that's really important. Definitely. We'll look out for that. What is your LinkedIn or any socials or places that we can find you? Yes, I would say I'm more active on LinkedIn. So um, it's Frederica Brooksworth. So if you just type in Frederica, but by the time you type in Frederica, I probably might come up because um, my Frederica is spelled very differently to a lot of people. So Frederica Brooksworth and then Instagram um, at F Brooksworth as well. And yeah, I would probably say those are like my most active channels. You might see me on Twitter um, F Brooksworth, same as my in, um, Instagram handle. So yeah, that's pretty much me. How can we find CF? So you can find CF on Instagram. So it's at and then C I A F E O R G. So CF org. Also, that's the same handle for Twitter. And then on LinkedIn, if you just type in, it's a bit long, but if you type in Council for International African Fashion Education. Sometimes if you type in C-I-A-F-E, it will also come up as well. So yeah. And do you offer virtual classes there? 
Um, on CF, yes, we do. Most of us, actually, everything we do for CF is all virtual because we recognise that what our thing is really about education without any borders. And I mean, like the industry, the continent is so huge, so it's really difficult for people to actually, like, if we say we have a class in Ghana, I mean, it's only going to be maybe for people that are based in Ghana or maybe neighbouring countries that might be able to attend. So everything we do is actually online at the moment. Based on our conversation, I mean, you talked about tech, you talked about language, all of these, and now you're talking about leadership. So so it seems like the, the school is very forward thinking. It's very now. And it's great because a lot of the institutions are just somewhat outdated. <laughs> they can be outdated quickly. And so it's great that you're thinking of these these things that are applicable to what is happening in the world now. Yeah amazing but no thank you so much for having me I really enjoyed this conversation yeah thank you thank you for coming and you know I absolutely enjoyed hearing your story and you sharing just some of the important things that are happening on the continent thank you so much thanks for listening to fashion futurist podcast Let's take back fashion together. Like, subscribe, and share as these small actions help to spread the word and make a collaborative impact. For more ways to get involved, join me, Camila Sanders, in the Fashion Futurist community by visiting fashionfuturist.io. Let's take action and accelerate fashion forward.